0: So this is what you said that you hoped for. These are the things that you commented just just this morning. You said you hope there's a football season. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you said that you hope we'll be back to worship with church, that there will be shopping. Some of you said you were looking forward to shopping during football games. Some of you said you hope you'll be able to fly home to see your mom and sister. Guys, we're all worried about travel right now or that you'll be successful in school. Some of you said that you were worried and hopeful about your employment, that you would have a job when all this is over. Some of you said that you hoped that there would be a relationship restored. You see, we're all different. We've all got different hopes because we've got different things going on in our lives. Maybe you've heard it said in during this whole COVID-19 thing, that we're in the same storm, but in different boats. In fact, we're not really hashtag in this together, are we? Because we're just different. Some of you are worried about your health and you're scared about what it looks like for the country to reopen because of what that might mean of a new outbreak. Some of you are worried about your livelihood and you're scared what will happen to you and to your business if the country doesn't reopen. Others of you are just worried about what this this disruption has meant to your life. It hasn't been an interruption, it's been a disruption. You had a vacation that you took years planning, canceled. You had a mission trip that you raised money for, and you were so excited about being a part of what God is doing. Canceled. Sometimes it's just as simple as as wanting to see loved ones because relationships we have figured out aren't quite the same through a Zoom meeting. We just actually want to hug Grandma and see her in person. And now, and now, there are murder hornets, Right? I mean, what in the world is going on? I mean, it, it's, we hope things will change. In fact, this is what a lot of people say. Something good will come from this. This is what we keep saying. It's like a personal pep talk. Some Listen, I just know it. I believe it. Something good will come from this. And in fact, this sentiment is uh, is really interesting. Did you remember back at the beginning of the the pandemic there were all these pictures videos and pictures all over social media about the waters in venice clearing up and dolphins showing up in the canals and fish and geese and there was another one with uh, with elephants in china and there were all this talk about how wildlife was kind of coming back to life now that we had slowed down and pollution was less and the water was clear and all this stuff National Geographic was fascinated about this idea and sent out uh, researchers to learn more about this incredible phenomenon. And here's what National Geographic found. They were all fabricated. Geese show up in the canals all the time in Venice. The picture of the dolphins and the video was 100 miles from Venice, and no one can figure out where the elephant picture was, but it wasn't true. And yet, these posts went viral and we all shared them because we wanted them to be true in fact National Geographic said this the need to seek out things that make us feel good may be exacerbated right now as people try to come to grips with a pandemic a collapsing economy and sudden isolation and this is what they said in times when we're all really lonely It's tempting to hold on to that feeling, especially if we're posting something that gives people a lot of hope. The idea that animals and nature could actually flourish during this crisis could help give us a sense of meaning and purpose that we went through this for a reason. We all want to believe that something good will come from this. And can I just say, personally, some good things have come from this. For me, we've eaten more dinners around the table than ever before as a family. There's no practices, no ball games, no church events. Has that been the case for you? We've spent more time together. I think we've grown closer as a family. I I certainly felt like a sense in my own spirit and soul and my body of slowing down I feel more rested than ever before, and I don't know about you, but I've gotten a million projects done around the house. We've cleaned out every closet and every storage and every little nook and corner of the garage. We've, <clears throat> we've done all sorts of things, but I'm also aware that that sentiment can be incredibly Arrogant. Because can I be vulnerable and honest with you for just a moment, okay? Because here's what I know is true. I haven't gotten sick, and I haven't lost a paycheck. But some of you have. And for some of you, this isn't just a time where you got to slow down. For some of you, you're like me. The biggest inconvenience of the last two months is that you couldn't go eat at a restaurant. But for others of you, you have had a loved one who got sick. Or you know someone who has died from COVID-19. Or you have lost your job or you have missed a couple of paychecks and you're trying to figure out what to do next. Or you have laid off workers or furloughed employees and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay rent or pay the mortgage. That's just been very real for some of you. So let me just say this, that if you are one of those people and you are struggling financially because of the coronavirus lockdown, we have some incredibly generous people here at Mountaintop who have given our 4 Birmingham Fund to be able to help you. So if you've had one of those, if you've lost job, you've lost income, we want you to go to mountaintopchurch.com backslash COVID relief because we want to help. We want to serve you because this is real and it's not just real in other parts of the world or other parts of the country. This is real in our own backyard. So here's the, the problem with this whole this whole thing about thinking something good can come from this, if that's you, if you have been through some of those financial or health or just even emotional struggles in this, you're sitting there thinking something good. I mean, was you having dinner with your family or you slowing down a little bit? Was that worth someone dying? Was that worth me losing my job? Was that worth me closing my business? You see, to say that something good will come from this, it's just too simplistic. And I'm not sure that it's exactly what followers of Jesus believe. The earliest Christians, though the good news is this, the earliest Christians, they dealt with the same problems. They dealt with the exact same struggle of trying to figure out how to, to deal with the, the struggle of something good maybe coming from something bad, especially the Christians In ancient Rome. Can you imagine being a Christian in Rome? Can you imagine? The Apostle Paul wrote a letter that we call the Book of Romans to the earliest Christians, the church in Rome. And this was a group of Christians that he had never met. He didn't found the church like he did many of the others that we read about in the New Testament. And he wrote this letter right in the middle of the reign of the Emperor Nero. (coughs) This is a picture of maybe what Nero had looked like that we've got from ancient ruins in Rome. And Nero was the most wicked and, and the off, most awful of the emperors of Rome in his treatment of Christians. He persecuted Christians like no other. He would have Christians covered in animal skins and attacked and torn apart by wild dogs. He would send Christians into the Colosseum to be eaten by lions and tigers. He would cover Christians in oil and tar and have them bound and put on a pole in his garden as lamps. He would later have Paul himself beheaded. Now, just for, for a second, just imagine... Coming into a room, a gathering of some of those earliest Roman Christians under Nero's rule, a group of Christians who had just had a loved one sent to the Colosseum to be eaten alive by lions or who had just had a loved one burned alive at the stake in Nero's garden. Just imagine coming into that group of Christians and going, Hey guys, I know this is terrible, but listen, I promise you, something good will come from this. It's just too trite, isn't it? It's just too trite to think that, 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 that there's something good that will come from this, that that comment doesn't quite give us the hope that we're longing for and that we're yearning for all across the world. But I believe if we dig into this letter that Paul wrote to the people going through this struggle, that we will find the hope that we long for deep in our souls. So listen to what he says. It's in Romans chapter 8 is what we're going to be looking at, verses 22 through 28. And I just want to walk through with you just briefly in this passage. First first verse says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Creation is groaning. Things are not as they should be. On Mother's Day, what a beautiful metaphor that that what is to be isn't yet. That there is pain happening. There is groaning happening. And that is because in this pain, in this hurting, God is birthing something. And he's going to be birthing something beautiful if we can just hang on. Verse 23 says this. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now, sometimes Romans needs a little extra translation. Because it's a very thick theological book. So what Paul says is, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. So what Paul is saying is that even though as followers of Jesus, as Christians, even though as Christians we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we're still groaning for for what is not yet. Yet. Even though that we have the presence of the living God in us, we know things are not as they should be, so we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship or daughtership. We are waiting eagerly for our full adoption. It's not complete yet. It's in the paperwork stage. (laughs) We're, We're almost there but we're not quite fully adopted. And when we are fully adopted into eternal life with God, that we will experience the redemption of our bodies. What Paul is saying is that our bodies, our frailness, our fragileness, our propensity to get sick, and our deaths, we can't escape it. It reminds us that things are not as they should be or will be. And Paul says, so we groan, we long for the fullness of our adoption into relationship with God, our heavenly parent, when our bodies will finally be redeemed. In that place, no one will get cancer and no one will have a heart attack. In that place, your knees and your back won't ache. In that place, no one's memories will be fleeting. And in that place, you can't get infected because we're imperishable. And you don't have to worry about the economy tanking because in that place, even the streets are paved with gold. Then Paul writes this. For in this hope, we were saved. Paul says, this is, this is our hope. And this hope, this reality, this idea that this world is broken and messed up and we die and we're frail, but there is a time when our bodies will be redeemed, imperishable with God. That is the hope in which we were saved. And then he says this, But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope, by its nature, cannot be seen and cannot be proven. It believes something that does not yet exist. It would be like Paul saying to these Roman Christians, I know you can't see it in the brutal attacks of the Roman Empire. I know you can't see it in your suffering. But there's hope. And if Paul were writing this to us, he would say, I know you can't see it in the images of the hospitals in Italy and Spain and China and New York and New Orleans, but there is hope. And I know you can't see it in the unemployment line, in your empty bank account, in your temporarily closed sign on your business, but there's hope. Our hope is in something that we are waiting for That is not yet. But then, then, Paul writes something that just hits me right in my soul. It's something I feel so deeply inside of me right now, and it brings me so much comfort because it reminds me, it it confirms in me that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only one who's been thinking this, and you're not either. This is what it says, in the same way, in the same way that creation groans, in the same way that you groan, that you hope for something that isn't yet, in the same way that deep in your your soul you realize that this is not the way things should be, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness right now. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Can, is there anybody else that doesn't know what to pray for in this season? I don't. Sometimes this just seems so confusing. I don't even know what to pray for. Paul says, we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless Groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because of the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God is praying for you. Man, if you just thought about that, the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't just, isn't just praying for you, is praying for you in accordance with the will of God. And not just for a hope that is in eternal life, not just in a hope that is in the sweet by-and-by, not is just in a hope that is with God in heaven one day, but a hope that is right here on earth. Because Jesus prayed, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, do you remember those words? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth. That the Holy Spirit is praying for God's will in accordance with, with his plan in your life and in my life and in the midst of your struggle in this Roman mess and in the midst of our struggle in this corona mess. And then, and then Paul pens... One of his most famous verses. And on this Mother's Day, I'm I'm reminded that my mama taught me this verse. When I was going through a tough time as a teenager, I remember her sharing this with me. She said, remember, and that's what Paul would say to close this up. Hey guys, the Holy Spirit is praying for you in accordance with God's will. Trust me, there is something going on in your life right now that it is not just about getting to heaven. God wants to do something on earth. Remember. And we know that in all things, not just some things, not just a few things, and we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good Of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, this is not good, but we know that God is working for good in this. Paul would look at those Roman Christians and he would say, This persecution is not good. Guys, I get it. Nero is not good. But God is working for good. And he would look at us and he would say, hey, beloved, coronavirus is not good. This economic mess is not good. And can we just kind of name it together? 2020, so far, hasn't been too good. This is not good. But God is working for good. You see, our hope is not that all things are good or that all things feel good. Our hope is that God is working for good in all the things that are bad. The coronavirus is bad. The economy is is bad our social tension right now is bad our emotions are in a bad place our anxiety right now is bad our solitude right now is bad our loneliness right now is bad the political culture right now is bad but God is working for good God is working for good God is working for good if you want to type it in the chat type it now God is working for for good and paul said we know that he is don't miss that we know that in all things god is working for good we know he is for those that love and trust him because he's got a purpose and you've been called he's got a purpose and you've been called to be a part of it and COVID-19 cannot stop that purpose. I wonder this. I wonder if we could take those Roman Christians, if we could take them to the center of town and we could show them a picture of the Colosseum, flags waving, Roman centurions surrounded. The cheers of an angry mob crowd filling it, and we could tell them, "I, I know that you've have loved ones who have died in that place, and, and I know that this is a symbol of the power structures that are opposed and against the work of God." I know that this is the center of the city and the empire that seems to be the world's plan to stop God's plan. But I know it's hard to believe right now. I know it's hard to look at that picture. And, and I know that when you, when you see that picture, it strikes fear in you. And chills run up and down your spine. But there will come a day, there will come a day when Rome is not a place that Christians are afraid to be seen. In fact, there will come a day that this mighty Colosseum will be in ruins. In fact, there will come a day that Christians won't only not be afraid to be seen in Rome, there will come a day when Christians from all across the world will flock to Rome. And the Colosseum will just be a relic and a tourist attraction. But the main reason those people will flock to Rome, that Christians will come to Rome, so that they can see St. Peter's Cathedral and the story of God painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Because your faith and your steadfastness and your perseverance and your hope against All hope that God is working for good in the midst of all the things that are happening around you are going to build something so powerful the likes of which the world has never seen because through you in a place where people view Rome as something bad, God is going to birth His church which is going to do more good than anyone could ever imagine. This church that is going to be birthed through your perseverance and through your faith is going to become such a powerful force for good. It's going to be known for feeding orphans. It's going to be known for gathering up widows. It's going to be known for healing the sick. And I know you think that this empire that you are under their thumb right now is so powerful, but I just want you to know this empire will fall, and across an ocean will arise another empire that will be Greater in size than even the Roman Empire, it's called America, but on that empire, there will be churches, little country churches, mega churches, cathedrals, storefront churches, church plants, and elementary schools, they will scatter all across every county in that country. And God will do something so great in that church that there will be Catholic hospitals to care for the sick and Lutheran hospitals to care for the sick and Baptist hospitals to care for the sick and Methodist hospitals to care for the sick. And the church will build universities to educate children in that country. And when that country goes through the greatest pandemic that they have ever experienced, they will ask the church to not meet for the sake of the country. And the church will say, okay, we'll do it because we love our neighbors. And when that country needs hospitals in their biggest city in the middle of Central Park, do you know who they'll call? They'll call the church. They'll call the church. And the church will, they'll heal the sick again. And they'll do food drives And if they have to do toilet paper drives, they'll do toilet paper drives. This picture of this virus is bad. And we look at it like the Romans looked at that Colosseum. How could God ever do something good through something so bad. I would guess those Roman Christians would have looked at the Colosseum and said, I can't imagine how it could ever work. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're going to get to go to heaven one day and it'll all be better then. And God would say, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 you're going to get to go to heaven. But if you will just trust and keep on keeping on and keep on hoping, I want to do something good in you, through you, to redefine you here on earth in accordance with my purpose. Could there ever come a time that you and I look at that picture of that virus that's so bad right now and see all that God worked for good in the midst of it? See, that's our hope. Our hope is that God Can take this mess and write a message in this world, in my life, and right there in your home in your life. Our hope is that God is working for good in all the things that are bad. Don't forget, you've been called and he has a purpose would you just trust him to work it in your life heavenly father whoo It uh, shakes my soul, Lord, to think about what was happening when your church was birthed. We sang about that earlier. (laughs) At the resurrection and the day of Pentecost when the people of God became the church of God and how those earliest Christians in the most difficult place, Rome, Birth something, that has created something that has changed the world, that has created organizations that help people with addiction, that help unwed mothers, that help feed orphans, that help children get adopted into loving homes, that help women caught in all kinds of terrible situations, that help bring families healing, that help bring clothes to those that need it. It's just amazing. And Lord, I know that they probably couldn't have even seen it. And it's hard for us right now to see the good you could be working through this. Not that just something magically will appear good. But that you are doing something in us and through us right now. If we would just cling to you. It's different for every single one of us, but we know you've got a purpose for those who love you. So Lord, help us to love you. I pray for brothers and sisters right now who are going through stuff, who are feeling the the bad in this, financially, emotionally, spiritually, health-wise and Lord my prayers that they would fill the prayers of your spirit interceding for them our hope God is real so this living hope my prayer today God would be on every couch every bedroom, every kitchen table, every cell phone, every smart TV, every computer right now. In a real way. You are not confined to an empty auditorium. So I pray that you enter into homes around Birmingham and Alabama and every state and nation watching in Jesus name